Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Have your Bibles. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 20, please, and we're going to continue in our series. This is message number 63, going through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings. And we, we finished up a couple Sundays ago, Acts 19. Today we're in Acts 20, beginning in Acts 20. And how many of you, you enjoy traveling, exploring, seeing new places, meeting new people? How many of you, you like to travel? I love traveling. How many of you, you'd, you'd rather never get on another airplane, you just like staying in your house? Anybody like that? A few of you. There's a few that you have no. I had a friend of mine that retired from United Airlines in Northern California. He could travel anywhere he wanted in the whole world for whatever, like 20 bucks or something, you know, whatever the the gas fee was or something. And he hadn't been on a plane in 15 or 20 years. And I'm thinking, you can go anywhere you want, but some people just don't enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy traveling. This morning, we're going to learn from an expert traveler, a man who who we're told traveled more than 10,000 miles by foot, the Apostle Paul. He would have broken his Fitbit if he had one back then, right? 10,000 miles, that's a little better than my 5,000 or 10,000 step goal. About four times Paul would have in his missionary journeys walked from L.A. to New York, probably about the length of four times. And this morning I want to bring you a message, travel tips for the journey of life. Life is a journey. It's a different, God has a different path for every one of us. He has different places for all of us, different people that he brings into our lives. My wife and I, we've lived pretty stationary lives as it relates to where we live. We have not, we have not moved all around. Uh, my, my wife and I were both born in the Bay Area. I was born in San Jose. She was born in Santa Clara. For the first 35 years of my life, I, I never lived more than five miles outside of the city I was born in, in San Jose. For the first 34, 33 years of her life, she never moved out of Santa Clara other than when we got married, we lived for a year or two in a, a little city called Milpitas right, right near there. Pretty stationary lives. I, was, I got saved in uh, the church where my father-in-law is the pastor some 31 years ago now. And that was the only church I'd ever been a member of, my wife, before we moved here. The only church she'd ever been a member of. She was born into that church. And then God brought us here. So we've lived in the Silicon Valley, and we've lived in Orange County. That's about it. And I've not lived a very mobile life, if you will. I saw on Facebook recently, we had a sweet family. Many of you would remember the Doty family. And, uh, and the Dodies, they had sweet girls. They were in our Christian school. And he, was a, he is a career military man. He works in the Pentagon right now. But for a couple of years, he was here in Orange County. And I saw that, uh, that their daughter, Lauren, their oldest, who was a student at NCS, she just graduated last month, and, and uh, they're now faithful members at a church in, in uh, Virginia. And they posted this picture, and I thought it was an interesting picture. They had all of the schools she had attended, and they show from North Carolina to, I don't know where that one is, to California, to another one, to Virginia, and, and then going off to college. And I looked at that, and I thought, a very different experience growing up than I had. I lived within five miles of, of the city I was born in, and, and Lauren has been in sev- seven different schools in her 13 years of schooling. 
Whether you've lived in the same place your whole life or you've been a traveling nomad, there are some things that we can learn from Paul this morning. Paul traveled quite a bit. If we can throw that map up that shows all of his journeys, and uh, it's kind of hard. I apologize. This week the LED screens go up and we won't have that shadow of those lights they just put in. But this shows all three of his journeys. It's kind of hard to see probably out there. But there are three different missionary journeys. And then his trip to Rome is kind of the yellow or orange dotted line there. And, and you have to remember there, there were no trains, there were no cars, there were no planes. He did all of that basically on foot. And these were his travels as he traveled preaching the gospel of Christ. We pick up our text here in Acts chapter number 20. And in our text, we've been studying through this. Paul is going to complete his third missionary journey. He's coming to an end of an era, the end of an era, if you will, or a season of ministry in his life. And uh, we've shown you this map, the third uh, missionary journey. And we'll leave that one, the third one, go ahead and put that next map up. We'll leave that one up there for a little while and we'll look at, and I didn't even think about the fact that that light's covering half the dots, but that's all right. And uh, we'll, look at, we'll look at some of these as we read through Acts 20. We are in Acts 20, uh, we are uh, right, the green dot. We're going to be in Ephesus is where Paul was for the, for the last few years in our text. We studied through and last week we saw the uproar where Demetrius the silversmith came. And, uh, and, and Paul's getting ready to leave Ephesus. That's where we find ourselves. Paul's in Ephesus about to leave. Let's look at Acts 20. Look at our text, the first 16 verses of the chapter. Verse number one. And after the uproar was ceased, do you remember that last week they wanted to kill Paul? Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into where, church? Into Macedonia. You can see that right over here. Macedonia. So Paul's at Ephesus. He's going to leave, and he's going to end up over in this region in Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much, much exhortation, he came into Greece, and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to ret return through Macedonia. So on this map, that's why they have the green line and then the purple dotted line. The, the going in was the green, and then he, he starts backtracking on the purple dotted line back to Jerusalem. So he's there, and then he begins to go back through. And verse 4, And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timotheus, and of Asia, Asia Tychicus, and Trophimus, these going before tarried for us. They waited for us, Luke is writing here, at Troas. You can't see it, but Troas is right in there. That's that dot behind the light is Troas. And so they're waiting for them there on their journey back. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. How many of you have had that experience? Preaching can do that for you sometimes. Puts you to sleep. A little, the, the soothing voice of the, preach, the preacher screaming at you just puts you right to sleep. Verse number, uh, verse number nine, it says, it fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. So get the picture. Paul has sailed back from, from Philippi. He's in Troas. Paul's there and as they're, they're traveling through, and he begins to preach. He's about to leave. The night before, they want him to speak and to preach. He starts preaching, and he's preaching till midnight. 
Some of you think my preaching goes long sometimes. I don't think I've ever preached more than an hour in one of our services. Most of the time, 40-ish minutes or so. And he's preaching till midnight. And Eutychus, a young man sitting in the, the window ledge, he falls asleep, falls out, and dies. That'll put a damper on the church service there. He dies. Look in verse 10. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. It brought great comfort that Paul had brought him back to life. And we went before the ship and sailed unto Ossos, there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, and minding himself to go afoot. So they went in a boat, Paul kept walking. And when he met with us at Ossos, we took him in and came to Mytilene, and we sailed thence. We got on a boat and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and, and tarried at Trogilium, and the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible, for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. So these 16 verses other than the story of Eutychus falling out of the window and dying, it's really just kind of a travel log. There's not a lot of doctrine. There's not a lot of, of, it's not giving us any details of Paul's messages. There's not any stories of converts or of lives being changed or of, or of, or of opponents or people going against him. It's just kind of a travel log. It's just the words that put this picture where Paul started in Ephesus he headed over into Macedonia, spent some time here in Greece, Thessalonica, these, went from Philippi to Troas. He walked here. They met up. They got on a boat, and they started going, and it said he passed by Ephesus. He had just been there for a few years, and basically said, if I go there, I don't have time to stop there. It's gonna, they're going to take up too much of my calendar, so I got I, I to get on the boat because if I walk through, I'm just going to have too many appointments, too many meetings, too much stuff going on. So he's on the boat, and his ultimate goal is to get back here to Jerusalem. He's been gathering an offering from the churches, uh, from the Gentile churches, and they're going to bring it to be a blessing to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And so what we read this morning is really just kind of a travel log. And uh, this morning's message is a little different than my normal. It's, it's, a little, it's a little less of a Bible study, and really it's a little more of what I would really say kind of a devotional challenge. I'm going to give you three pretty practical thoughts that I see from the life of Paul as we look at his traveling journeys, his life as a whole, and then this text in particular. I'm going to give you three thoughts, three travel tips, if you will, for the journey of life as we travel along our God-ordained journeys. And every one of ours is different. They'll take us to different cities, to different people, to different places, to different roles. But all three of these we're going to see in the life of the Apostle Paul are extremely relevant and applicable to us today. Number one, I, want to, I see here in Paul's life and what I think is a great reminder for us along the journey of life. Number one, learn to embrace the seasons of life. Learn to embrace the seasons of life. As I study chapter 20, and we're going to get to Jerusalem pretty quick here in the next couple of weeks, we're really coming to an end of a season of Paul's life and ministry. Paul the missionary is no longer. 
Now, he's still a preacher. He's still a man of God. He's still going to help people. He's, gonna, he's still going to pen books of the Bible. His ministry is not over, but this season of his ministry is coming to a close. That which he had spent years traveling thousands of miles, being shipwrecked and stoned and beaten and misunderstood and people getting saved and lives being changed and people being healed and literally a young man being brought back to life. This season of his life is going to come to an end. Acts 20 marks the winding down of an incredibly important and impactful era of Paul's life. For the rest of the book, the last third of Acts, we're not going to see Paul plant any more churches. That season's done. His missionary journeys are over. Most of the rest of the book is actually going to be seeing Paul, as we study it in the coming weeks and months, seeing Paul coming before different groups of people, defending his faith and preaching Christ. He's going to be being brought before different groups of people that are, have different agendas and different uh, motives, and, and some of them trying to hurt him and conspire to put him to death, and he'll be arrested in Jerusalem. He'll be brought before the Sanhedrin to defend his faith and his ministry and his message. People will conspire to kill him. He'll, he'll be brought before Felix and Caesarea. He'll be brought before Festus and, and Caesar. He'll be brought before King Agrippa, and, and then he'll end up dying in Rome. It, we're coming to an end of a season of life. As I look at uh, Paul's life and ministry in the book of Acts, I see three distinct seasons. His first season was what I would call his before Christ season, what we call Saul the persecutor. A little more than 25 years of his life was spent before he met Christ on the Damascus Road. He spent a short time wreaking havoc on the church. It was not a huge season of his life. Maybe a year or two that he spent wreaking havoc on that early church, and then he got saved very early on. But that was a very distinct season of his life that in some ways, for some people, defined his entire life. We have that season before Christ. Then we have his season as Saul the persecutor. Then we have the season after Christ, Paul the missionary. That was about 25 years of his life as well, that season. So we have before Christ, about 25 years. He was Saul the persecutor for a couple of those. And then Paul the missionary for about 25 years. And then we're going to see in the coming weeks his final years, probably five or six years of his life, maybe a couple more. And there it's not going to be Saul persecuting the church or really Paul being a missionary. It's going to be Paul continuing to write books of the Bible, Paul continuing to influence, Paul continuing to impact, but in a different way. I don't know if you figured this out, but, but in our lives, every season of our lives is different. We need to learn to embrace them. I'm learning this as my wife and I would be probably considered at this point middle-aged. Every season is different. We need to learn to embrace it. Here's what happens. We spend so much of our lives longing for a season that is yet to come or longing for a season that is past. Never embracing the season God has us in today. You know what I find with Paul all through his journeys? It seems to me he was present and passionate wherever God had him. When he was Saul the persecutor, would you say he was passionate? The Bible says he wreaked havoc on the church. He talked about as a Jew in labors more abundant. I, I know more than them. I worked harder than them. Wherever Paul was, that was, he gave everything that he had to it. The Bible says whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. We've got to work for the night is coming. Give everything we've got because there's coming a time when we can't no longer. But in our lives so often human nature dictates that we, we spend today wishing for tomorrow or yearning for yesterday. And we need to learn in life a track tip for the journey of life. Every season is different. Embrace it. Teens often can't wait to get out of high school. Get some freedom. 
College students can't wait to finish school and be done with all their studies and start their careers. Sometimes singles wish, I wish I could get married and start having kids. And those with kids can't wait till those kids are raised. And those whose kids are raised want to have grandkids so they can be around kids again. Isn't that interesting? Get these kids out of my hair. Hey, kids, go have some kids so I can have some more kids in my life. Wherever God has, those that are working, it's like we, we spend 50 or 60 years of our life somewhere at 65 or 68 or 72, then I'll really be able to enjoy life when I can finally just retire and enjoy it. I don't think God intended for us to live 70 years of our life hoping to be able to enjoy a couple of them on the tail end of our lives. Now, if God gives us 5, 10, 15, 20 years after the age of 70, he wants us to use those for his glory, but he doesn't want us to waste 70 waiting to get there. Every season is different. Embrace it. We spend decades of our lives looking at the next stage or the next season as the one that will finally be fulfilling and bring us contentment. No, what did Paul himself say about his journey of life? I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. I'm satisfied, God. I'm fulfilled in you. You have me in high school. I'm satisfied that this is where I'm at. I'm going to try to grow in you. You have me in college. I'm going to try to get everything that I can. I'm I'm a young adult and I'm single. God, I'm, I'm satisfied with where you have me, with what you've given me, with where you've placed me, with what you've, you, who you've placed in my life. I'm satisfied. I've learned how to be a base and how to abound. I'm satisfied in this season. Learn to bloom where God has you. Live for him no matter where you find yourself. Do you find yourself wishing for a future season or looking back to a past season? Learn like Paul, wherever God has you, do whatever you can in whatever ways you can for him right there. Every season is different. Embrace it. What I also learned from Paul's life is a season may be regrettable. Let God use it. A season may be regrettable. Let Paul use it. I'm sorry, let God use it. Let Paul use it too, I guess. Paul didn't run from his past. He wasn't proud of it, but he used it for God's glory. He allowed that painful, maybe regrettable season in his life to shape him into who he could be. Paul, I believe, was a greater preacher because of the regrettable season of being a persecutor in his past. Paul had a greater love for God. The Bible says uh, those that are forgiven much love much. Paul had a greater love for God, I believe, because he had had such a hatred for the things of God. Paul did not allow his past to define him, but he did allow it to, to shape him and to prepare him, and he did not run, learn a season may be regrettable. Let God use it. And then I see in Paul's life, every season is valuable. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Every season is valuable. Again, sometimes we get the idea, well, just my teen years, I can kind of just experiment with stuff. It doesn't, my life doesn't really matter. I'm in college. It's just to sow my wild oats and let me try this and try that and go here and go there. And I'll get real serious maybe in my mid-20s or in my 30s. And when we're in our 30s, well, I don't really have all that maturity and experience. Once my kids are raised, then, then I'll really have something to offer. Or once I'm 40 or 50 and I, I get all these things, then I'll really have something to offer. And, and then we get to a, maybe to be 60 or 70 or 80. And then what Satan starts telling us is there's a new generation coming up. They don't need you anymore. You're, you're not valuable any longer. The, it's all passed you by. Isn't it interesting how no matter where you're at, we can convince ourselves that we, we don't have what it takes to be used of God in that particular season. It's always going to be another season, right? But you know what I see in Paul's life? Every season is valuable. 
Every season is valuable. Rejoice in that season. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul will be, he will be teaching the Bible daily in houses and in temples, much less from here on out. It's going to be a different season, but it's not an invaluable season. He'll be, he'll be preaching much less. He won't be planting any churches, but he will write many of the letters that you and I read today in Scripture. Uh, it's believed that probably, and some of this is tough to say because Paul didn't put on when he wrote it, written in this date AD, so depending on what you study, but most would believe that he wrote more of the books that he wrote after he was planting churches than he did while he was planting churches. Every season's valuable. It may look different, but it's valuable. God can and wants to use you to teach you and to bless you in every season of life. His roles and responsibilities changed, but his impact for God continued in amazing ways. Pastor Tomlinson, for those that know him in our church, he'll be back. He pastored here for 25 years, and he'll be back in two weeks to preach. And he and his wife, Gail, wonderful, faithful, godly people. He has been a tremendous example of this to me in my life. His early life, he was away from the Lord. And you, he had kind of a rough past, and he talks about it. And he's talked about it some. And, and he ended up going to Vietnam, and he, was, he fought in Vietnam. And, and then in his early 20s, he got saved. He got, and the Lord saved him, and he went off to Bible college, and he became a church planter. And he planted two churches in Northern California and one church in Hong Kong. And there was a season of his life, there was a season of his life before Christ that is probably in some ways, if you talk to him, regrettable, if you will, but he let God use it. And then he was a church planner for, for a season of his life. And then uh, Liberty Baptist Church called in around 1990, and he became a pastor of an established church. Now, that's a different role than a church planter. And for 25 years, he was the pastor of an established church and brought, led this church in spiritual, to spiritual health and some spiritual maturity and great usefulness. And, and then about six years ago, what did he do? He said, I believe God is leading me and my wife into a new season. Barnabas 1040 and that full-time missions ministry. And, and, and now in the last six or seven years through that ministry, there are scores of national pastors planting scores of churches in scores of countries in the 1040 window and in Asia and some of those places. Which one of those seasons of Pastor Tomlinson's life was valuable? Yes. Yes. The season before Christ, God used it to, to prepare him and to make him who he was, and he probably would not have been the pastor and preacher and church planner that he was without that in his life, that regrettable season, and then the church planning season, and then as a missionary, and then as an established pastor, and now as the head of a missions ministry. Every season is valuable. Rejoice in them. Let God use them. The second travel tip I see, not only do I see in our lives we should learn to embrace the seasons of life, number two, invest in relationships in life. I told you really a simple message this morning, really more of a practical devotional challenge. But you know what I notice in all of Paul's letters and journeys? He lists a lot of names. Yeah. Greet so-and-so. Here's who's with me. Here's my co-laborer. They meant so much to me. The one, Alexander the coppersmith, he was a jerk. I hope God gets even with him. He, he listed names, and we saw that last week, you know. How would you like your name to be in the Bible is that. This guy was a big troublemaker. But he listed names. Look at verse number four, if you will. Verse number four, what does Paul say? 
And they're accompanying him into Asia, Sopater, of Berea, from one place. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, another place. Gaius of Derbe, another place. And Timotheus. And of Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. They, these going before tarried for us. Talking about Luke. What do you see here? You see name after name, relationship after relationship. And then as you study it, large groups of believers that he's preaching to. Eutychus, he mentions. And, and then a whole group that he's preaching to that want to hear his preaching. And he stays up all night talking to them. And, and encouraging them and edifying them. And, and in Paul's life, what was Paul's priority? His priority was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And then his priority was that they might know him and I'm going to do whatever I can to help them know him. I'm going to invest in relationships. Everywhere Paul went, he invested in people. He built strong, fruitful relationships that stood the test of time. And here's what happens in our lives if we're not careful. So often we invest in everything except relationships. We invest in our career, nothing wrong with that. We invest in our retirement, nothing wrong with that. We invest financially. We invest in our pleasures and we invest time in our hobbies and learning and growing. We invest in education to make ourselves better. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But there is something wrong if that becomes our focus to the exclusion of investing in people, of loving people, of sharing the gospel with people, of telling somebody else how Jesus saved you, of inviting someone into your life, going out to coffee with someone and texting somebody and praying with somebody and having them over to your home and going out for a bite to eat and one-on-one and, and -on -one discipleship and, and getting together in a small group setting and growing together. What is that? What do we see with Paul? His life was all about God and people. An old proverb says, no road is long with good company. Solomon said it this way, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We ought to be looking to invest in people. Benjamin Franklin said, if you would lo be loved, love and be lovable. That's, that's a good little statement. If you would be loved, love, love people, and be lovable. Don't be a jerk. Love and be lovable. How many of you like the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life? How many of you, like me, have never watched it all the way through? Black and white, it's kind of boring. I, the time I watch, it's like depressing, like this guy is really struggling. But I know a little bit about the story. And for those that like uh, Wonderful Life, plus I guess I'm a little more immature, like Home Alone is a little more on my maturity level than <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. But for those that watched it and liked it, do you remember what Clarence the angel said to George Bailey? George Bailey looked on his life with despair because he did not realize how rich he truly was in the midst of his lost finances, his lost opportunities, and even his lost life. There's a picture there of what, of what Clarence the angel said. We have it there if you'll throw it up. He said, Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Well, this church isn't friendly. Well, my family isn't. What? You know what you can control? How you treat people. How you treat people. Who you reach out to. With Paul, everywhere he went, let me help you. Hey, let's go. Let, come with me. Let's, let's go. I'm, I'm walking to the next city. Why don't you walk with me? Let's get on the boat together. Let's talk. Hey, let's spend some time together. Oh, you want me to preach till midnight? Let me preach till midnight. Oh, you want to stay up and keep talking? Let's stay up and keep talking. We invest in so many things, and those things are not necessarily wrong, but don't miss the greatest thing we can invest in in this life, relationships, our relationship with him, and then our relationship with others, our relationship with our family, our, our spouses, our children, our church family, those around us. Paul invested in people. People. Let me ask you, from what we know in Scripture, and we know a lot about the Apostle Paul, what was his hobby? What did he like to do in his free time? What was his pastime? 
Now, I'm not saying you can't have a hobby or free time. I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks with our family of downtime this summer. And I'm not saying you can't spend some time enjoying those things. But you know what Paul's hobby was? Investing in people. Trying to make a difference in the lives of others. Which leads me to my final travel tip from our expert travel guide of the Apostle Paul. Number three, live a life of service and sacrifice. Why is Paul even trying to get to Jerusalem here in Acts 20? Because he's gone around at at great expense to himself to gather an offering for the struggling Jewish believers in Jerusalem. That's why he's trying to get there. Look at what he says. We'll look at this passage next Sunday morning, but I want you to see these verses. Look at verse 17. Look at Paul's heart of service and sacrifice. Verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church and When they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Notice what he says. Would you read verse 19 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Notice verse 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. What does Paul say? You know my testimony. My life was all about, I was willing to sacrifice whatever it took to serve you. Look at verse 7. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. Have you ever been the day before you're getting ready to go on a trip? You really don't want to meet with a lot of people. We're getting ready to go with our teenagers to teen camp tomorrow. You pray for the group. We've got, with our chaperones, I think about 75 of us from our church family going up there. We're gathering with about six or seven other churches. There'll be a couple hundred teenagers there at camp uh, this week. And our family always goes up and and spends the week there with them as well. And, And you know, the day before you're getting ready to go on a trip, my wife said to me earlier this week, she said, and this is gonna sound bad because I just said invest in people, but she said, honey, I don't wanna take anybody out for lunch after church on Sunday. But I told her, I'm here to invest in people. So whoever wants to go, we're all invited, all right? And, uh, and she told me, no, didn't, that didn't happen. I'm smarter than that. But what did she say? She said, honey, I don't want to take anybody out to lunch on Sunday. I got a lot to do. We got to get all the kids ready. Our, our, our older boys just came in late last night about midnight from Northern California uh, from a, a trip up there. And they got to unpack and do the laundry and get everything ready. The day before a trip, you're not really excited about just kind of sitting around and talking for hours with people. You've got stuff to do. Jeremiah leaves for college on, uh, tomorrow. I think you guys fly out. There are details to get done, right? Details to get done. And what does Paul do when he's getting ready to leave in the morning? Notice what it says in verse 7 at the end of it. He continued his speech until midnight. Don't you think he might have been tired? Don't you think he might have enjoyed preparing for his travels? He's already been traveling a ton to get here, and he has a big journey ahead of him. But what is he doing? Willing to teach and preach until midnight. Notice verse number 9, what it says, and after, after he falls down and gets taken up dead, then in verse 10, Paul goes and brings him back up. And, and in verse 11, when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. How did Paul prepare for his long journey ahead of him? He stayed up all night investing in people, serving, sacrificing. This might be the last time I see you. Let me talk to you. What questions do you have? Let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. Let me edify you. You see that with Christ. He would get away from the crowd to try to get some rest, and he would be tired and physically weary, and he would get away, and the multitudes would come. And what does the Bible, what do we see with Jesus? He was willing to sacrifice himself to serve others. 
humbled himself, became a servant, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Paul brought help and healing to Eutychus, to the family. He brought comfort to people he served, tried to help over and over and over again. We live in such a self-centered society. Every commercial, watch them, every commercial is about making your life easier or more enjoyable. Almost every, you could probably find an exception, but just about. One 19th century Indian scholar said, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. You know where you find true joy? It's interesting. Our teenagers went up to Washington to a, a week of work to help our, our missionaries. And really, they had some fun. They did some fun stuff. But really, all they did was work all day long. Eight, nine, ten hours building bunk beds, chopping wood, sawing, sawing, chainsawing logs, cleaning, pressure washing. If I said, if we said today, hey, teens, we got an activity on Wednesday. We're going to chop some wood and, and, and pressure wash some sidewalks. I don't think we'd have this huge group. Let's, but you know what? Every one of them that went found out when you serve, there's a joy that doesn't really come when you just sit there and like play video games. Now, video games are fun. I play them sometimes or watch sports. There's a joy that comes in service. Jesus said it this way, whosoever keeps his life shall lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. You begin to find true fulfillment and joy when you learn the joy of living for others, of sacrificing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That children's song said it well, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others. We meet place to place. Y is for you, and in all that you do, put yourself last and spell joy. Isn't that what we see with Paul here? He's getting ready to travel out. You want me to preach? By the way, preparing, preaching, public speaking can take it out of you energy, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He said, let me preach till midnight. Let me preach. Eutychus, let me go help him. Let me serve that. Let me comfort that family. Now let's break some more bread. And what can I do? You want me to stay up all night? Let me sacrifice to serve you. Joy is found in service, in life. The goal is to serve. I close with this illustration. I learned that statement the hard way. I was a 10th or 11th grader in high school. On a Saturday, I'd gone out visiting on our bus route and I had come back to the church to help with some cleaning and some things. And, and at four o'clock that day on that Saturday, we did this about two or three times a year. We had a men's barbecue. We had a preacher, a guest preacher coming in to preach to the men and, and boys of the church. And one of the men of the church or a couple of them had spent the afternoon grilling up steaks and they had baked potatoes and all of the trimmings. And me and a couple of my friends, uh, we had been out on the bus routes visiting and canvassing and, and inviting people to church. And then we had come back to the church and work. I had not eaten that day and I was absolutely starving. My pastor, who's now my father-in-law, he said a prayer of blessing for the food and, and for the time together with the men. And then he invited us to get in line for the food. And me and a few of my teenage friends, we kind of rushed to the front of the line. I had been working for the Lord all day. I was hungry. He knew it. I had paid my money for that steak, those baked potatoes, those whatever else was there, the cheesecake, the, all of those things. And, and we, we rushed to the, to the front of the line there. And DJ, you, you, you might have been there with me, and your dad probably was at that event on that Saturday. And as we stood in line with drool beginning to make its way off my lips, my pastor approached us. We were getting ready, grabbed our plate, couldn't wait. He approached us. 
Now, my, my father-in-law, he, he was, he's generally, and as a teenager, a very encouraging, very, very uh, uh, enthusiastic, very, a lot of fun. He invested in teenagers in, in a, a lot of amazing different ways. He was always kind of, hey, what's going on? Like on the top side, that's his spirit. And he approached me with a spirit and a face I kind of hadn't seen before. And I thought something, I wonder what's wrong. Maybe he's hungry too. You want to go in front? Here you go, Pastor, get a, get a steak. And, and again, almost always very kind, positive, encouraging. And as he walked up, my, my heart began to drop. You know that feeling? And he said, hey, fellas, what do you guys think you're doing? Um, I, I thought I was going to get a steak for dinner, but um, I'm not sure now. So I don't know what I'm doing. Boys, you're, you're strong, healthy teenagers, and you're just going to put yourself first and go in front of all these men older than you. And I said, I, I wasn't going to, but DJ told me to come right here. And <laughs> I tried to tell him, but, and then he pointed, I'll never forget this. He pointed to the back of the line. There was probably 150, 200 men standing there. He pointed to the back of the line. There was, I, I'm guessing at that time in his mid-80s, a deacon. He said, do you see Brother Pope back there? A deacon in his mid-80s. you see Brother Pope back there? You think you're more important and you're better than him. He can stand at the back of the line and others go in front of him. And you boys, you healthy, strong boys, think you need to take the front of the line here? And I'll never forget it. And it wasn't, he wasn't yelling at us. And I don't think he was being unkind. He was trying to teach us a lesson. And he said to me, he said, I'll never forget. He said those words. He said, boys, one day you may be serving in ministry. One day I hope you're serving in a church somewhere. And boys, you need to learn the goal is to serve. The goal is not to be served. The goal is to serve. I'll never forget those five words some 30 years ago, standing in line in that, that downstairs cafeteria at our home church. Those, those five words, he said, boys, you need to learn. The goal is to serve. Then, he point, he, then, then we all said, yes, sir. And that's uh, kind of what I was thinking. And at that point, I had lost my appetite, so I went to the back of the line. That was probably 1994. Almost 30 years later, those words still ring in my mind. The goal is to serve. Jesus said it this way. The greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Three travel tips that will completely transform our journeys. No matter where the journey of life takes us, learn to embrace the season you're in. Learn to invest in relationships above all of this stuff that won't last. And then live to serve, even when it means sacrificing your own comfort or plans or ease in order to do it. Paul said, you know how I kept back nothing that was profitable. I gave everything. I was willing to sacrifice anything. Well, I'm tired. Well, it's uncomfortable. Well, it's going to cost me a lot. Paul lived these travel tips, and he arrived to his God-designed destination safe and sound and full of joy. Didn't he say it? I have preached at your husband's funeral last Saturday. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. What did he say in Acts 20? The chapter we're going to be studying. We're studying right now. But none of these things move me that I might finish my course with joy. Paul learned that you finish your course with joy when you learn to embrace the season you're in. When you learn to give your life to investing in relationships and when you learn to be willing to serve and sacrifice no matter what it costs.
Jesus, the Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate. He invested in the ultimate relationship that you and I could spend forever in heaven when we die. He came to earth. He died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. What those three that got baptized identified with today. Jesus, that friend that sticks, Jesus we sang, what a friend for sinners earlier today. That friend that sticks closer than a brother. He did what we talked about here so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure if you were to die that you'd go to heaven, I would challenge you, don't leave the service this morning without seeing one of us, one of our pastors, and let us show you how you can know for sure, way more important than your journey here on earth, that you'll make it to that journey in heaven, not in your own strength, not in your own merit, but because of who Christ is and what he's done. Was there one of those thoughts that pricked your heart a little bit this morning? Maybe you're not embracing the season you're in. Maybe your life has become a little self-centered, a little, little self-absorbed. You're not really investing in relationships. Maybe there's not much happening in your life by, in the way of service or sacrifice. I don't care what season you're in. If you're here, God has lives for you to touch. All of us in different ways. But he has people that we can help. Let's learn from the expert traveler, the Apostle Paul. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.